Good morning, everybody. This is Alf. Welcome back to the Macro Compass. As a rule, any loan that had been turned into an acronym or abbreviation could much more clearly be called the subprime loan, but the bond market didn't want to be clear about that. That's Michael Lewis in the big short. And he's right, because let's face it, the bond market can be deceptive for many of us. It has a lot of incomprehensible jargon, obscure technicalities. They all blur the big picture. But once you learn how to decompose the moves in bond yields into their prime building blocks and start appreciating the importance of boring stuff like the repo market or regulatory developments, it all starts to make much more sense. I want you to have three main takeaways from this macro compass piece. Point number one, when you look at moves in nominal yields, learn how to decompose them in moves in real yields and changes in inflation expectations. Point two, Learn to decompose bond yields also in risk-free interest rates, asset swap spreads, and credit spreads over government bond yields. Point three, the repo market and regulatory developments are by far the most overlooked, yet super important aspects of, the bond, of this bond market. Pay attention to those. So point by point. Point one, risk-free real yields. They represent the barometer of how cheap or expensive is the inflation-adjusted cost for incurring into more leverage. So real borrowing costs are paramount important to our system, not only in absolute terms, but I would argue especially in relative terms. So learn how to look at real yields and compare them to R star. More about that in the piece. Inflation expectation, the other part of the decomposition, they matter a lot for policymakers. They love the status quo, they have a target generally to keep inflation around 2%, and that's why 2% is far enough from each scary tail scenario. There's a left scary tail scenario, it's deflation, and a right scary tail scenario, which is very high and persistent inflation. Policymakers want to be in the body of the distribution, not in the tails. And they monitor inflation expectation very closely to make sure the market understands that. You should do that too. Point number two, the purest proxy for a risk-free investment in our economy is an overnight deposit at the domestic central bank. After all, the central bank is nothing else than a clearinghouse for all other commercial banks, and it's an entity fully backed by the government. Risk-free rates are the first building block in this second decomposition, but those are very, very short-term overnight deposits, uh, deposit rate we talked about. If, you want, if you're interested in, in bond yields and you want to decompose them, you have to look at long-term expectations for overnight central bank deposit rates, and those are captured by OIS swaps, overnight index swaps. They tell you where the fixed income market consensus expects central banks' deposit rates to move over a fixed long period of time. The second building block for this decomposition is asset swap spread. Sounds very complicated, it's not. They are the difference between treasury yields and OIS swap rates that we just talked about. Yes, the two are different, they're generally close to each other, but the difference between treasury yields and OIS swap rates is asset swap spreads. Treasury yields today yield above OIS swaps, but that is not due to credit risk. It's all about regulation and balance sheet constraints. More about that later. The third building block is credit spreads over treasury yields. The private sector financing costs are unfortunately higher than treasury yields, so we need to overlay credit spreads over treasury yields. And if this credit spreads widen too much, the access to credit becomes pretty much expensive and the private sector moves into a painful and forceful deleveraging.
So if you learn how to decompose bond yields in risk-free rates, asset swap spreads, and credit spread over treasuries, and you analyze how each of these building blocks are moving, you have a much better understanding of what treasury yield moves or bond yield moves are actually telling you. The third point is that uh, the importance of the repo market and uh, regulatory developments is very much understated. So the repo market basically allows cash-rich and bond-rich counterparts, so that's money market funds against banks or pension funds, for instance, that own a lot of bonds. They can exchange cash for securities and vice versa. But most importantly, the repo market allows hedge funds to run leveraged trades at a pretty cheap cost. When the repo market functions smoothly, leveraged players can take additional risks without too much trouble. You know, I mean, even if your leverage is large, as long as the borrowing costs are low and predictable, all good. What happens if they're not low and predictable? Then that's September 2019 and central banks panic. So you should pay a lot of attention to developments in the repo market. The other point is regulation. So the largest bond investors in the world are the so-called real money. Pension funds, bank treasuries, central bank reserve managers. All those players are highly regulator, regulated and this matters. So for example, post the great financial crisis, commercial banks were asked to keep a liquidity coverage ratio above 100%. So this effectively means this new regulation that banks around the world were forced to keep 10 to 15% of the asset side of their balance sheet invested into high quality liquid assets. And guess what qualifies for HQLA, high quality liquid assets? Well, that's mostly bonds. And this is basically a huge, a relatively low price elastic demand for bonds that was created out of thin air by a simple regulatory change. So you should pay plenty of attention to, to the repo market and to regulatory changes. Summing up, three main takeaways, guys. A, when you look at moves in nominal yields, learn how to decompose them in real yield moves and changes in inflation expectations, and learn how and why this is important. The second is that you can decompose bond yields also in risk-free rates, which, which are the term structure of the cost of depositing money overnight at the central bank, Asset swap spreads, which are nothing else than the, the difference in yields between government bond yields and swap and OIS swaps, and finally credit spreads that you need to overlay over government bond yields to make up for the borrowing costs for the private sector. The third point is that you should pay a lot of attention to the boring stuff like the repo market and regulatory developments. Those are by far the most overlooked yet very important aspects of the bond market. Now, final remark, this article kicks off a bond market 101 series. So a lot of these uh, relatively complex in-depth um, topics will be, will be uh, treated in separate and successive articles of the Macro Compass. Make sure you subscribe to the Macro Compass to get those updates directly in your inbox. And why not sharing it with friends? Ciao a tutti.